0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I certainly appreciate the songs and worship that I have heard today that includes the blood because we know the significance of that for you and I today, and I'm thankful to the this morning to know that that blood has been applied to my life and certainly i am not alone in that we welcome all of our guests here today it's just such an honor for us to have you with us in service today and we don't take that for granted by any stretch of the imagination you could be doing any number of things but you have opted to not only just be in church but you've opted to be here in church and so we thank you from for that from the bottom of our heart and uh, you've made our day better by doing so. To all of our ladies here at uh, Hatchman Apostolic Church, please don't forget that today our your ladies' conference registration is due. If you have any questions about that, please see Sister Cricket, and she can give you some more information concerning that. I am very thankful this morning for the goodness of the Lord and what He has done, and how far He has brought us. And I'm thankful for those that are here this morning some of our church family has certainly been battling a lot of sickness and we appreciate the fact that you're here today you may feel like the scripture said just two legs and a piece of an ear but we're glad that you're in the house of the lord this morning and uh, thank you for the extra effort of being here today i want you this if, if you will today to join me in the book of saint luke chapter 24 and you can remain seated if you would like i'm I know customarily we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, and that is certainly in place and order. But today, I going to do things just a little bit differently. Um, without a doubt, I believe that Resurrection Sunday is the single most important event in our Christian faith. And I know that's a broad, broad, broad statement when we think of all of the things that are included and incorporated into the Word of God, but we have to understand that no matter what happened, if Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave, it would have all been a lie right. and null and void. Right, right there, and, and irrespective of what had taken place and all the wonderful events from Genesis until that moment. And if you have been around church very much then you have heard the resurrection story many, many times. I do not feel any undue pressure this morning to put some new spin on an age-old story that has all of the truth in it that we would ever need. And so I'm not here today to try to put some new flair or hang some extra bling on this beautiful, beautiful story. But I do want to spend my time today our time focusing on one portion of this incredible event and uh, it's a little bit of an, of an obscure part of the story just somewhat shadowed uh, by all of the other events that were taking place and so if you just will hold your Bibles open to Luke 24 I'm going to begin around verse number 13 and uh, then we'll go all the way to the last chapter of Revelation and I hope you brought a lunch. No, we're just going to start in Luke 24 and 13 and then we will just make our way down through a few verses here and uh, pray that the Spirit of God will just drop something in our heart all along the way and uh, I believe there's wonderful truths that we can garner as we make this journey. What we are going to talk about or the particular event that we're going to discuss today is interesting and ironically It's not even mentioned by Matthew or John. As a matter of fact, Mark just barely makes mention of this story in uh, chapter 16 and verses 12 and 13. But this is the story of just two common men and I've just always been a hero of the common man, especially the common man in scripture because the word is just replete with men and women who remain nameless and and faceless to us, but yet they did great exploits, and I think it's very safe to say that we're we are where we are today because of those many many people who just seemingly filled in the gaps and were there. I think it's what uh, I think it's I think it's what. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 35 are long about their mentions and others. It's those, it's those others that just stand the, the test of time and they stand valiant upon the word of God, unshakable and unmovable. And so today we're going to talk about two common men that we know very, very little about. It seems apparent to me that they were avid followers of the Lord at some point At one time, I am safely assuming that their heart had been on fire with a passion of the ministry of Jesus Christ and actively involved in the happenings of the New Testament church. I think I'm very safe in saying that, and I think you will find out that common thread as we move along. However, when we find them in this particular portion of scripture in Luke 24 when we are introduced to them we're introduced to them on or during a season that they're having probably the worst day in their life and, uh, and I've met people when they were having the worst day of their life and I've also met people when I felt like I was having the worst day of my life and so it was a very unique it was a very unique moment frozen in time without a doubt they were very discouraged on this day. On this day, they had lost all hope. Everything they had invested in, everything they had believed in, everything they had built upon was all seemingly for nothing. As a matter of fact, I I know I keep edging out here a little bit further and further and further on on some thin ice, and I'm not trying to... uh, to do that just for the sake of dramatics but I believe that it's true or it could be said that they could have felt that Jesus had let them down. I think it's also safe to say that there would be very few exceptions to that even in this room today. And you may want to jump up and down and shout and admit that you feel like the Lord has let you down at some point in our lives but I think secretly or at least privately in our heart, we've all felt that. like That we really thought something was going to happen and it just seems like when we thought that heaven would sound, heaven was silent. When we thought God would move, God just somehow in our mind, stood still. And that is exactly where we are in this scripture. And so for the sake of time, I'm not going to this entire story But I just want to just pick up portions of this as we go. I'll skip around a little bit. Some of the scriptures we're going to have on the screen. Others we may not. That's why it's important always to bring your Bible to church. We don't want you to get just spoiled to that. Amen. Here in this passage are two men walking on what the scripture calls the road to Emmaus. It's after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and in their minds the dream was over. In their mind, everything that they had believed in, invested in, and trusted in had now ended. It had all crashed against the rocks. The one that just a few days ago had been called the king of kings was now crowned with thorns. They see him on a cross. I have no doubt when they close their eyes what they envisioned, their last vision in their mind of, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and their Savior was him on a cross, spikes through his hands and feet, a crown of thorns on his head, and gushing blood and water from his side. That's a horrid image for them to have in their minds believing that this is it, it's over. Now, three days later, word is circulating among those who that he has risen again. In fact, according to scripture, Mary Magdalene, who had been at the tomb, said that she had personally seen him. Yet, and I want you to just keep yourself in the story, if you will just turn with me just one page at a time, don't jump ahead, but just turn one page at a time, and we can realize that it was very hard for them to imagine that to be true when they were contrasting the story of his resurrection against the backdrop of what they had just beheld a few days before on the cross. So how could this be true? They couldn't hardly wrap their minds around that. And I think it's safe to say that they were experiencing a season of unbelief. And I'm gonna pause again and I'm gonna remind all of us that we have all stood there as well. Even with our lips professing great faith, unbelief has slow walked us down at times. But in the midst of their unbelief, in the midst of their most lonely moment and in the midst of their minds being bewildered with questions, Jesus joined them. In verse 15, the Bible says that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I think that's an incredible thing that Jesus wasn't offended at their unbelief he could have kind of been waving his hands in the air and saying, after all that I've said, after all that I've done, what about this moment? What about that moment? Not just recorded moments, but perhaps because John tells us that we don't have record of everything. And maybe Jesus was thinking about particular moments and events where these men were present whenever the miraculous was done. But nonetheless, he joined them in their moment of unbelief. Now, I'm gonna pause and tell you today that I find consolation in that. I'm thankful that God won't throw me down just because unbelief seems to be stalking me today. (laughs) Amen. We know very little about these two individuals. According to to verse 18, one of them was was named Cleopas, but we don't even know the name of the other man. And so I find it interesting that that Jesus is going to do something pretty spectacular here and he appears to these two individuals whom we know so little about. But that's not unlike the Lord (laughs) because when he was going to reveal who he was, the very first person that he ever really let in and pulled back the veil was the woman at the well. Amen. It was it would seem like she would be the last one on the list that he would give this kind of information to. I mean, it just seems like those that were in the circle, certainly they, those would have been the one, but nevertheless, it was these two people that we know so very little about. Amen. Furthermore, they're not ever even mentioned in Scripture. Luke 24, 15 says that Jesus drew near. Yet, if we go back, and I mentioned a moment ago that there's only even two references to this, and it's Luke and then Mark. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 12, Mark adds just a real subtle, but I think a significant detail. Subtle but significant. And this is what Mark has to say. Mark says that he also joined them and walked with them. Mark records this same event taking place But Mark says this, that he joined them. Everybody listening? He joined them in another form. That's what the scripture says. Jesus joined them in another form. Or in other words, Jesus walked with these two individuals anonymously. They were walking with a man and, and they didn't even realize that it was Jesus. The last side again I'm repeating myself, but just for the sake of making sure we're all on the same page. The last sight they had of the Lord was his beaten and bloodied body where he had been left virtually unrecognizable to common men. Yet here they are walking along in that sad state of affairs, having the worst day of their life. In the midst of all of their unbelief, Jesus starts walking with them. And I want to tell you today that it's a reminder to all of us that Jesus is walking with us even during seasons of our life that we don't realize it. Amen. I want you to find some hope as we walk along this journey today. Jesus is always present, a very present help in the time of need. And so just because I don't feel my world shaking around me is not an indication that Jesus is not walking with me. There have been times I have felt the anointing of the Lord. I'm just testifying here now. There have been times I have felt the anointing of the Lord so strong and so powerful, and there have been times that I have preached under the anointing of the Lord so strong and so powerful that when the anointing of God lifted from my body, I was practically worthless. I'm not kidding. I am I'm not exaggerating at all. I have felt the presence of the Lord that strong. I have felt the presence of the Lord that almost caused fear to run through my veins. I felt the presence of the Lord that has caused joy and strength to run through my veins. And here, here is the Lord. Uh, here is the Lord strong and mighty and lifting, lifting and showing himself. But I also have walked a few miles that I didn't feel that. Amen. <laughs> And, and so have you. Even those that are not nodding your head or saying amen. We've all been there. Well, we just didn't feel the Lord, but I know that he was with me because I had a promise of his word. Jesus was always there, always present. Isaiah 43, I find great hope in Isaiah's writings. Isaiah 43 and 2 says this, When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. That's what the Lord said. When you're here, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be with you. When you're in the water, you're not going to drown. When you're in the fire, you won't be burned. I'm going to hold on to your hand. <laughs> Luke twenty-four seventeen, Jesus asked this question, a very pointed question. He said, why are you so sad? why are you so sad? Here's two men, the worst day of their life. And this anonymous stranger comes anchoring up and says, why are you so sad? Jesus was really just setting them up. He was really just baiting the hook and luring them in. In the 18th verse, watch as we put this on the screen, 24 and 18, the Bible says, and when one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Or, in other words, if we just jump out of the King James language for just a moment, they wanted to say, Man, where have you been? What? Where have you been? I mean, what foxhole have you been in? Have you not heard? Have you not known all the things that have been going on around here the last several days? Luke 24 19, the Bible said, And now watch as he begins to unfold this slowly but surely. Luke 24, 19, the Bible says, and he said unto them, what things? What what are you talking about? What things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Verse 21 says, but we, watch this carefully now, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel and beside all this today is the third day since these things were done. They didn't even realize what they were saying. They said, we trusted in a past tense, we trusted that this was going to be the one that should have redeemed Israel. We put all of our stocks in this one portfolio. We put everything in this one folder. We put it all in one file. We banked everything in one ministry. We thought this was going to be it. They could not even imagine. This was the exact amount of time that the Lord had told them to wait. And he said, in three days I'm going to rise again. This was the exact time. The Rumors had already spread from Mary that he had risen. <laughs> and yet that wasn't enough. They couldn't get the image of the cross out of their mind long enough to envision an empty tomb. Somehow they had lost all of their hope. And when a person loses hope, friend, that is a tragic event. It's been said, and you've heard this many times, no doubt, that a man, uh, or a man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but we can't live one second without hope. I'm thankful for the hope that I find in the Lord. hallelujah, these men in Luke 24 that we're talking about, these are two men that had lost all of their hope. They couldn't even believe the good news when the good news came. They couldn't believe the headlines when the headlines were glaring. They had lost all hope. I think it's interesting to note what Jesus did to kind of rekindle the fire that was in their hope, that was in their heart rather. He took them to the word of God. Amen. After a short rebuke in verses 25 and 26, he says something profound in verse 27, and I want you to read this with me. In verse number 27, the Bible says, and beginning at Moses, this is what Jesus did. Now, they're just walking down. I'm just having to picture this in my mind, and and you just have to kind of paint it in your world like you want it, but I just see them walking down some old kind of a dusty trail, dusty road, and they're just walking along, and, and Jesus, as this conversation is going back and forth, back and forth, and he rebuked them in verse 25 and 26 we'll talk about that in just a moment but in verse number 27 don't lose the magnitude of what's being said that Jesus beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself now it doesn't take but just a moment to read that scripture but did you hear what it said It doesn't take but just a second to just read that and just keep right on running. But here are two men having the worst day of their lives and Jesus stops them still. I don't know how long this took. I have no idea how much time they were standing but the Bible says that Jesus Christ himself started at Moses and included all the prophets and started expounding unto them in scripture. Amen, not just don't you remember this event or don't you remember that Amen. but in the word of God he began to prove to them the things concerning himself beginning at Moses wouldn't you love to have those sermon notes <laughs> wouldn't you love to just have that in your file that you could say this came from the man this came from the man himself. Jesus was personally giving them a guided tour through scripture of all scripture from the from Moses and the prophets that were pointing to him all along the way. He was showing them all of the passages that were speaking of the coming Messiah to Israel. Maybe from Genesis, he reminded them of the story of Abraham and Isaac as they made their way up Mount Moriah. When Isaac said, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Amen. Maybe he pointed out to them, I am that lamb. Amen. I am that lamb. Maybe from the book of Numbers, he pointed out the fact that he was the rock that was going to be broken and bring forth water. Maybe from Joshua, he reminded them that I am the captain of the Lord's army. Amen. Maybe from Isaiah's insight, Isaiah said his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace, hallelujah. Can you imagine this moment? What a Bible study, friend, and it didn't happen at the Hyatt Regency. It didn't happen in a Colosseum. It happened on an old dusty road somewhere, but from Genesis, from Moses to the prophets, he said, I wanna show you the word, and from the word, I'm gonna point to you that I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Let's clap our hands. Amen. We may never know exactly what Jesus shared with these two men but we do know this that while he was speaking something was going on in their heart and in their mind. Don't forget the first picture of these men that I gave you. Their shoulders are slumped. Their spirit is crushed. Their hopes are dashed. But now while Jesus is speaking something starts. So wait, Wait a minute wait a minute, I don't know who this man is, but he sure knows a lot about the subject at hand. The fire began to reignite in their heart. I say that because of what we're in verse number 32. In verse number 32, the Bible says, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us, by the way? and while he opened us to the scriptures why didn't something start I'm gonna tell you something friend preaching shouldn't put you to sleep preaching is not the time to play with your children preaching is not the time to check your Facebook status preaching is not the time to get on check your email, preaching is not the time to be visiting out in the parking lot, but if you want your heart to be stirred, if if you've lost all hope today, if you need something rekindled in your heart, let me tell you where to get it from, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word of God can rekindle a fire that has gone out in your life. The word of God, the word of God, amen. And so with that, I just want to, that's my introduction today. <laughs> so with that, some of our, you laugh, some of our guests are, uh. I want us to spend just a few minutes considering really what Jesus did. Number one, I'm confident that he restored their hope. And I'm standing here today as one who has admittedly had my hopes dashed against the stones but he didn't leave me there he is a restorer of hope he can breathe hope back into our lives when we think all hope is gone amen their hearts did not burn when they talked to him now listen this is important for us to understand that their hearts didn't really burn when they talked to him when they were telling him where you been when they were telling him about the crucifixion, when they were telling him what the Roman guards have done, when they were when they were talking to him, nothing happened in their hearts. But when he started talking to them, right. yeah. right. now now something's well, wait. This is different. When the Lord started speaking to them. Their hearts burn when he talked to them. I understand the value of speaking to the Lord in prayer, but I'm gonna tell you the part of prayer that can and will change our lives is when we stop talking long enough to let him talk to us. Amen. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I don't want you to take this out of context, but I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we have a friend in common who is a pretty dominant voice and and a a pretty dominant in a conversation. And so uh, I asked my one friend, I said, have you talked to our other friend today? He said, well, I called him. And I said, would you get a chance to talk to him? He said, no, but I did get a chance to listen. (laughs) And I wonder if that could be said of us. If the angel says, did you talk to, well, did you talk to Steve today? He said, well, no, but I did get a chance to listen nothing happened when they talked to him but something started burning in their heart when he started speaking to them I I don't want to beat this to death but I'm going to tell you that when we come to a place of prayer we need to understand the value of praise and worship and adoration we need to understand the value of coming before him in with praise and thanksgiving but we also need to understand the value of just abiding in his presence and say Lord I've said all I know to say I just want to be quiet in your presence and I want you to speak something into my heart you may not feel any better just walking into the presence of God and discharging what's on your mind but when the Lord imparts what's on his mind into our hearts that's when we may leave changed (laughs) and challenged by the literal word of God you see many times like Elijah the Lord is speaking to us through still small voices or maybe another way to put that is that God is speaking to us through subtle ways subtle things perhaps it's a voice of conviction that tells us you ought not be doing this maybe it's a voice of conviction that said you ought to be doing that amen that still small voice I believe that the Lord that speaks to the church has never stopped speaking to the church I think the Lord that spoke in Genesis 1 never stopped speaking I don't think the Lord is through talking today Amen, I, I, I think what's wrong is that sometimes we're not in the mood to listen, but the Spirit of God is still speaking. I would say again, as I have warned from this very pulpit many, many times, that what we are facing and fighting in our world right now is an incredible spirit of distraction. Amen, something that's going on to get our mind off the most important things. I'm going to tell you something, friend, that when we come to the end of life's journey, some of the things you are fretting about will mean zero. It will mean zero. When you are looking at the end of life's journey, when you see the final bend just a few steps away, some of the things that dominate our world today will matter nothing. And so I say, Lord, I want to turn down the noise of this world and turn down the volume of distractions of sin and pleasure. And I say, Lord, speak to my heart and let your anointing minister to me. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me because there's relationship. Secondly, not only did he restore their hope, but what he used to restore their hope was the scripture, the word of God. It's so important that we don't miss something so critical right here. There, there's a lot of people today running all around the world Literally, around the country, around the world, and they are just looking for some new revelation from God. They want to hear a word from the Lord. I'm not being cynical, I'm being very serious. If you want to hear from the Lord, let me help you with something. Open up this book and start reading it. Amen. It is the word of God. If you want a word from the Lord, you've got it right here in your hand. Amen. If you want to hear something from the Lord, walk in these doors every time they are open. Amen. And listen as the ministry under the anointing and the unction of the Lord begins to expound on the word. If you want a word from God, we got to make ourselves available for that word. He speaks to us many times I'm going to tell you something about the Lord he can't ignore hunger he cannot ignore thirst they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness that's the group right there that has the attention of the Lord Second Timothy 3.16 the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All, that means that there's not one verse, even the verse you can't figure out. Even that can, contains the names that you can't pronounce. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is there for us. It's precious. I mentioned this a moment ago. John said if it were all written that could be written, the world wouldn't contain the books. And so if we think about the scripture that is the inspiration of God, I want to value every moment, every morsel. Amen. Just because it has been recorded for thousands of years does not mean it's not fresh. It doesn't mean it's not alive. It doesn't mean that it's not relevant. God wants to speak to us today, and he will speak to us through his word. I said this many times, and I'm not trying to to, to candy coat anything. But I, I don't know how many times through the years that someone has said I I need to speak to you about something concerning uh, my life after church. If you have just a few minutes, and absolutely, we'll, we'll get together after church, and and we have service, and go through whether it's me preaching or somebody else preaching, and that same individual will come along and say, you know what, I got my answer during service tonight. I got my answer while, while somebody was preaching. I got my answer during this. And so God can answer our questions. I know it's, it doesn't all happen that way, but I'm telling you that God can and will speak to us if we'll avail ourselves. Amen. We'll avail ourselves. And so just because it's old doesn't mean that it's not something fresh and there's not something real there. And just because you've heard something said a time and time and time again, something preached on time and time and time again. I thought about at our district conference just a few weeks ago how the, the, the last night Brother John's Begin to preach about the bruised reed. Amen. How many times? Just wonder how many messages you've heard about the bruised reed and the, and the flax. How many times you've heard about, but yet under the anointed God with just a fresh touch and a fresh insight, I just sat there and I thought, wow, I, wow, I've just never heard it on this wise. Why? Because the word of God is real. It's alive and it's fresh. Praise God. Praise God. There's nothing wrong. If you've if somebody starts reading a text, you've already known it, you could quote along with them. You just stay connected. You don't know what God is going to speak. The word of God is filled with repetition. We're reminded of things that we have known, but perhaps we have forgotten. And so my final point here today is this, that Jesus reminded them of what they already knew. He's, he refurbished, rekindled, relit their hope. He used the word of God As the tool to do that. And then he reminded them of what they already know. And I want to go back in scripture to prove that. Let's go back to verse number 25. The Bible says, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, what? All that the prophets have spoken. He said, what you need to do is act on what you already know. You need to act on what's already been said. You need to move on what's already been spoken. The prophets have already spoken this. This didn't just happen in a vacuum. This didn't happen a few minutes ago. This didn't start unfolding three days, three weeks, three months, three years, or 33 years ago. This started unfolding from the very beginning of time. Amen. He said you need to act on this, all that the prophets said. All that the prophets have spoken. And you know what? If I could say this without offense this morning, I would say that's what a lot of us need to do. Sitting right here in this building today. Anybody that may ever even hear this message via some other some other form, I would tell you that what if you just acted on what you already know to do, just step out on what you know to do and let God lead you from there. We need to do just what we know is right and stop doing what we know is wrong. Amen. I wonder how much would happen in our lives if we just use that as a start point. Can I say that again? I wonder what would happen from this very moment forward, from the day, from the moment that we step through those front doors forward, if we just stop doing what we, if we just started doing what we know is right and stopped doing what we know is wrong. I wonder what would be born in our heart. Amen. We've got to get back and do those things. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I want to go back to another scripture very intriguing to me portion of the scripture and I'm not trying to introduce any new doctrine here not at all I just want to challenge your thoughts with something I want you to look with me if you will at verse number 28 the Bible says in Luke 24 28 and they just so that we can keep this in context They, they refer to these two men and Jesus. The Bible says, and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he, talking about Jesus, made as though he would have gone further. He just kind of acted like, this is not where I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going a little further. That's what the scripture says. And he made as though he would have gone further. Consider, if you will, the implications of this passage of scripture. They're walking along, and Jesus acts like he's just going to keep walking. I just present this for food for thought. I wonder if Jesus was really just basically desiring an invitation. Genesis 18, the Bible says that Abraham had an angelic visitation while he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. That's what the scripture says. And Abraham had enough about him to say abide here. Abide here. You sit under the tree. You sip on this water. And when he got them nestled down in a cool place drinking water he took off like his feet were on fire. And he ran and found a young man and said go kill a calf and Get it ready. He ran to where Sarah was and said, get some bread in the oven. Abide. And at the invitation to stay, before those angels left, they had been given the promise of their child to be born in a barren womb of Isaac. I'm telling you something powerful happens when we make God welcome in our lives. Jesus acted like I'll just keep walking Cause he really wanted to be invited because I just can't say it too often the spirit of the Lord is a gentle spirit he is a gentleman if you think God is going to grab you by the collar and drag you down to the altar this morning you're wrong if you think that God is just somehow going to just grab you by the ear and yank you up into his presence you're wrong his spirit is gentle he longs to be invited into our lives and so with open arms and with an open mouth and with an open witness I want to say Lord come by here Amen. Come by here. You're welcome in this house. You're welcome in this life. You're welcome in my home. You're welcome in my car. You're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in my mind. You're welcome in every aspect of my life. We welcome you here. We welcome you here. Amen. I've been in a few homes I didn't feel invited. I've been a few places that I felt like I was being ostracized. I've been in some places where I wasn't welcome to be. And so have you. What an uncomfortable place. When you realize you have probably stepped in an uninvited place. Amen. But here's a tremendous insight that's given to us in verse number 29. But they constrained him. (laughs) Saying abide with us for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent. And they, and he went in to tarry with them. Now watch what happened. This was a gesture of faith to constrain him. Please, just look. Look how low the sun is. I mean, it's, it's late. We've walked a long way today. And, and just come on in. You can get a fresh start tomorrow. They constrained him. Now watch what happened by their gesture of faith. In verse 30 and 31. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break, and gave it to them. And it was not until right here, and their eyes were open. Wow. Wow. Not even while he was talking about Moses and the prophets. Not even when something started turning over in their heart and their minds. Man, this guy sure knows a lot about the word. This guy sure knows a lot about the law. This man sure, he sure seems well informed, but their eyes were still closed. But when they constrained him to come into their home and into their lives while they sat at meat, their eyes were open. And you know what? I feel in the Holy Ghost to speak something into somebody's life right here today. Are you ready? Some of you are wanting to see all of the truth from where you're standing right now. Some are wanting to see the whole picture and you want the whole revelation but you're still standing on the front step when Jesus is saying, why don't you invite me in you just invite me in. You invite you trust me to come into your home. Trust me to come into your life. I don't know if I can live this, Lord. I don't know if I can do this, Lord. You just invite him in. And when you invite him in, it's there that that moment of revelation and their eyes were open and they knew him. They knew him. This is not a gardener. This is not a stranger. This is not just a well-informed passerby, but we have been in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. It is not a rumor. Mary Magdalene is right. It is more than just a story. He is alive. He is well. He just wanted them to know him. He wanted to be invited into their lives. Amen. I'm going to tell you, friend, if you think I showed up this morning because this is my job, you're wrong. If you think I showed up this morning because I'm afraid of just going to hell, you're wrong. I can't even imagine it's horror. If you think I just showed up because I want to make heaven my home, you're not even right about that. I can't imagine what heaven is going to be like. I showed up today because of what I felt Wednesday. I showed up today because of what I felt the night I got the Holy Ghost. I showed up today because of what I felt yesterday morning in prayer in my living room amen why because I want him to speak to me when he speaks to me my eyes are open and I can see him hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. see him let's stand across this building do you know do you know today that you may simply be here at the invitation of a family member or a friend but do you know something that's true? That Jesus is just waiting on an invitation from you today. That's all he's waiting on. He made like he would pass by. He made, he made like he would just keep walking. I don't know, Brother Allen, the scripture doesn't say which one spoke up. It just says they. They. He meant not one or the other they. There was, a, there was something collective in their hearts that says, no, you can't go you got to stay, faith, it was just faith because if you walk with me just one step at a time, don't go to the end of the story, one step at a time, they still didn't know who they were walking with. They still didn't know how this man could be anywhere in this region and not know about Jesus being crucified and yet all that he knew about scripture, they're perplexed, they're bewildered, but when they went in and sat down and began to eat, something happened and I'm gonna tell you this morning, if you'll just sit down at the table of the Lord and begin to eat if you'll just do what you know to do don't look at somebody that's been living for God for 20 years and say I don't know how I could get from here to there don't look at somebody that's been living for God for 5 years and say I don't know how I could get from here to there just start from where you are just do what you know to do and if you'll sit with him, if you'll dine with him, here's what I promise you. He'll let you see. He'll let you see. <laughs> my, my, my. I don't want to preach past the moment. But I got to remind you of Revelation 3 and 20 when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I knock. I knock. I'm not going to pull it off its hinges, I'm not going to kick it in but if you'll hear my voice, and if you'll open the door, I will come in. And here's what he said in Revelation. Here's that word again. And I will sup with him, and he with me. Praise God. Jesus is saying this morning, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to get to know you better. You know what? That's what we're celebrating today. The reason he came, born in a manger, lived on this earth for 33 plus years, and it's why he went to a cross called Calvary. And most importantly, it's why in three days he came out. So that we can live. Amen. I wonder this morning, would you make on this Easter Sunday 2015, I don't know of a better date to write in your Bible, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Baptized in Jesus' name Today spoke with other tongues today, today, today not a better time church can we pray amen we we let the spirit of conviction stir our hearts let the spirit of conviction flow freely in this house this morning the power of the Lord to touch our lives to strengthen us to make us whole, to make us one in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus let faith be found in your mouth Amen, we need to speak out our desires here this morning. Amen, don't just hold them in. Don't just think about them. Don't pray silently this morning. We need to speak by faith what you want to see God do in your life. I want to constrain him to come in. (laughs) I want to constrain him to stop. I want to constrain the Lord to linger for just a little while in this place today. Amen, when the Lord lingered in the life of Abraham and Sarah, a child was born. When the Lord lingered, a promise was brought to fruition. I wonder what kind of promise could be born right here in this unsuspecting environment today that the Spirit of God could touch us today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray and worship the Lord together in Jesus' name.